We're going to read verses 5 and 6. For those of y'all that don't know where Malachi is, it is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you'll go to the New Testament and flip backwards one page, it is literally the last two verses in the Old Testament that we're going to read. Y'all laughing. Y'all didn't know that a few years ago. Don't act like y'all have always known that. Somebody pronounced it the other day, Malachi. I'm like, really? <laughs> I ain't going to say anything about how you pronounce things. Y'all know good and well that I mess that up big time. Can I get some amens? Is anybody there? Amen. Thank you. All right. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord when the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Let us pray. Father, I praise you. Um, thank you for confirmation. Father, it's been amazing the last two and a half years. You continue to show myself and leadership that the timing was correct. Father, I've told you that many times. I never question the calling to pastor or to plant a church, but I always question the timing. So thank you for giving us that confirmation that, that just continues to build us up with encouragement and boldness to preach your word. Uh, Father, today you've given me a message for the fathers, and um, it's never easy to preach this message because I, I beat my own self up. So, Father, today I'm just asking that you give me the boldness to, to give this word to this congregation. I ask that you open the ears and the hearts of the men that are here, the fathers that are here. Um, Father, because these are your words. So, Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Take all my doubt, shame, embarrassment, pride. Father, I ask that you take all that away, Father, and you replace it with your love, because that's what I need today. I need these men to know that this message is straight from you, that this is your love. Father, I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. <clears throat> I preached this sermon about a year and a half ago. Um, the title is Warrior Father. Show of hands, who was here when I preached that sermon a year and a half ago? Okay, I'm going to need y'all to nod and act spiritual. Okay. <laughs> You're going to hear some of the same jokes, some of the same verses, okay? I did change it, though, some, just for you guys. But we did a series that was called Warrior Family about a year and a half ago. And we went straight from warrior husband, mother, wife, father, to the children. Uh, it was a five-week series. And through that time, one of the ones that always stuck out to me was Warrior Father, probably because I'm a father, right? Some of you that are sitting in here today may not be fathers yet, maybe young men that aren't even married yet. Um, some, of you, some of you young ladies that aren't even married yet, y'all are thinking, what am I going to get out of this? Take notes. 
For you young men, this will be notes for how you should be as a father. And for you young women, this should be notes of what to look for in a future husband. Also, children take notes and hold your father accountable. Understood? Everybody can get something out of this sermon today. I want to go back to Malachi, what we just read. The last word in that Old Testament was curse. You could say the Old Testament ended on a sour note. Literally, the last word in the Old Testament is curse. A curse is something you don't want to pass on, obviously. But as a father, this can easily be done because our children watch everything that we do. Fathers, remember this. Not only can you pass down your good works, but you can pass down those bad habits as well. These bad habits can turn into curses. I want to show you all the definition of a curse. A transference of negative patterns of life passed down from one generation to another. Greed, a bad temper, lack of patience, love of money, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, anger, pride, jealousy, laziness. If that's Jesus, answer it. Jealousy, lust, and here's the worst, non-presence. These are things that can be passed down to your family, to the generations, that can curse generation to generation. Lack of patience, a bad temper, and jealousy, those are the three things that my father passed down to me. Those are the three struggles that I know he struggled with that I struggle with as well. Now, my father passed down a lot of great things to me as well. Don't get me wrong. He passed down a lot of great things to me. And we will always have something that we struggle with in life, right? That's biblical. You're going to have something that you struggle with that may get passed down. But here's the thing is we need to teach our children how to fight that, how to fight those temptations. But jealousy is one that I really struggle with. And, and <laughs> Amanda, okay, we, we, would, we, we like to take these Dallas trips and so forth. Some of y'all have heard this story before, but when we go to like the malls, okay, we, we'll go walk around at the mall, you know, and I'm, I'm literally just like trying to figure out how much money she's fixed to make me spend while we're there. And as we're walking through, you know, Amanda looks a lot younger than I do, okay, a, a, a whole lot younger than I do. And for those of y'all that don't know Amanda that well, she's only two years younger than me, so she's not, you know, you know, 28 like people may think. But anyway, so we'll be walking around and, and, these, and these young punks. <laughs> yeah, y'all know where I'm going. These young punks that for some reason they, they, they want to look at my wife. <laughs> They're checking my wife out. Now, they probably think I'm her father but still, it makes me mad, right? Like, like <laughs> Debbie, you saying yes. <laughs> My mother-in-law, see, there have been two times, two times, no exaggeration, that, that people thought me and Debbie were married and Amanda was our child. Like, that's <laughs> it's literally happened twice. But anyway, so I'm going through the mall, and, and, you know, these dudes are checking my wife, and it makes me mad, you know, it makes me jealous, you know, especially some of them, they, you know, they, they're a little better looking than I am, and I don't like that, you know, so... <laughs> Hurts my heart a little bit, you know, so I'm walking around trying to flex the whole time, walk around, stuff like that. 
But what really makes me mad is, is I, I never, nobody looks at me. <laughs> never. So I asked Amanda one time, we was walking through the mall, and I was like, you know, baby, it makes me mad. They all look at you, nobody looks at me. And she said, well, sweetheart, there's a reason for that. And I said, well, what's that reason? She said, because you have an aura about you that you're taking. In other words, men, when your wife says that, that means you're ugly, okay? That's exactly <laughs> what that means. There's no aura whatsoever, okay? But I have this jealous bone in my body, right? Like I think most men do. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of normal, you know, and a lot of women do as well. But on a serious note, jealousy is something that I constantly work on. I don't want to pass that down to my children. If you don't control that jealousy, it can turn into some major problems. If I don't stop that now, not only will that be passed down to Annabelle, but to Annabelle's son, Annabelle's son's son and grandson, and y'all notice I said sons and sons and sons because I need some boys in my life. <laughs> but it goes on from generation to generation, guys. I know I'm standing up for kidding, but it's a serious note that we need to think about. Let's go look. I want you to look at this because curses can affect, again, generation to generation. Kind of like King, okay, King David had an affair with Bathsheba. Solomon, his son, had 900 wives and girlfriends. Crazy. His son had affairs. His grandson had affairs. So there's four generations affected by one man's mistake. I want you all to look at Exodus 34, verse 7. Pull that up for me. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. The great news is, guys, you don't have to pass down these curses anymore. We now have a choice. We no longer live under any type of curse. I want to read Ephesians. We're going to read five verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Before I go any further, what they're explaining there is Old Testament, old law. Okay? Before Jesus died on the cross, anything that we did that was wrong, the sins that we committed were passed down to our family. That's Old Testament law. Let's go to verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. By Jesus Christ dying on the cross, those curses are now a choice of ours. They can still be passed down from generation to generation. But the good news now is, is we have a choice to stop it, men. You didn't have that choice in the Old Testament. You have that choice now. 
because of Jesus Christ. Of these curses that I mentioned, the one that has, that has attacked more homes in our country than anything else is the lack of presence by the Father. Guys, did you know that 50% of the kids in the United States were raised in a single-parent home? That's half the kids, y'all. Half the kids. I want to pull up some, some statistics on fatherless homes. 72% of high school dropouts, fatherless homes. 73% of drug abusers. 75% of suicides. 76% of pregnant teenagers. 81% of accused rapists. 90% of all homeless. 91% of all U.S. prisoners have one thing in common. They grew up in a fatherless home. Y'all starting to see the problem? Non-presence of the father. We're living in a country where children are being over-mothered over and under-fathered. Now, I think you women know I'm not slapping you in the face for that because I respect everything that you do. But we both have a role. And right now, our country, most of the men are not doing their job. I want you to think about this. Without a father in the early years of a child's life, the mom is 100% in charge. She takes the baby to church. They go to the nursery. 99% of the time, it's a female that's taking care of that baby in the nursery. When they start kindergarten and elementary school, chances are that's a female that's teaching them there as well. If the mom's tired and needs a night off and gets a babysitter, chances are that's a female. I need you to understand, I respect these women and these mothers, uh, not only for having to take on the tough job of being a mother to a child, but they're also trying to play the role of father as well. And shame on the men that have allowed that to happen. Women that do that, I have so much respect for y'all. Y'all shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't. Another big issue that I see in the home is the lack of leadership from the father. I hear a lot of men tell me this. I get no respect at home. The first thing you need to understand is respect is earned. It's not given. It's something you have to earn before you can receive it. A lot of men think that, you know, I bring home the paycheck, so... You should just respect me for that. If that's the case, if you've got a terrible boss and all he does is write checks, it's kind of hard to respect him too, right? If you want respect from your family as the head of the home, you need to respect who is the head of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It's very simple. The head of every man is Christ. The quicker you submit to God as the true leader of your family, the quicker you will become a warrior father.
I want to explain what a warrior father looks like. He is the family's prayer warrior, first and foremost. He prays with his children, prays with his wife, prays over his children and his wife. I want to explain that. There's a difference praying for and praying over. Every day before I leave the house, Amanda and I will pray together. We wake up early in the morning, we're doing our Bible studies, but we'll pray together as a couple in that marriage covenant. And men, there's nothing stronger. I've talked about it a hundred times, and I'll talk about it a hundred more. I can't tell you how many times men will come to me and they'll say, well, I'm struggling in my marriage, and, and some of y'all know what I'm, I, I say this. Are you praying with your wife? If they say no, start, then come back and talk to me. You'd be surprised by just allowing God into the covenant of prayer with you, you and your wife, that covenant of marriage, the strength that can come from that, the problems it can fix. And again, I know I've explained this, but I'm going to do it again. The biggest thing for that for you men is this. If we're struggling with something and we're going through a problem, most of us men don't want to talk about it. You're not going to go to your wife and start spilling everything out that's going on in your life, the troubles that you're having at work, the money issues that you got going on. You may not want her to know about the money issues that you got going on, but you'll talk to God about it. So in that prayer time with you and your wife, she gets to see a vulnerable, humble husband. That's hard for us to do, right? Those two words alone, men are like, I don't want them words. What you talking about? I'm tough. I don't want that mess. Vulnerable. Who wants to be vulnerable? If you're that way with God, in your prayer time with your wife, she will understand the problems that you're going through. She will respect that, and the next time you come home in a bad mood because of all that going on, she'll probably show you a little bit more grace and mercy. Praying for and praying over. I was telling you, I pray with my wife every day before we leave the house, but here's the other thing. Before I leave the house, and, and I think it drives her a little crazy that I do this, but I don't really care. I walk up behind her. She'd be sitting on the couch, and I'll put my hands on her shoulders, and I start praying over her, claiming protection over my wife that day, protection over our marriage covenant, protection over her health, claiming that God gives her the tools to raise my children while I'm not there. We're teammates. You should do that for your teammate. For my children, I pray with my children every day. In fact, a lot of times we take turns praying, I let the kids pray and so forth. Some, Annabelle may know this, I don't know that Sadie and Caroline do, but before I leave the house, I walk by each room and I pray over them. I used to actually go in and like pray over them and I kept waking them up and they got a little mad at me, so now I do it right outside the door. <laughs> I pray the same thing. God, I claim protection over my children today. Father, that you lead their way, that they submit to you. Men, you're the leader. That family... Is your, your, your job is to protect that family. There's no better way to protect than prayer. No better way. There's no better way to fight a battle or protect than with prayer. Start praying over your family, not just with them. Start praying over them. And let me tell you something else. You start praying healing over your kids, your wife. If somebody's sick in your family, you start praying over them with healing. Claim healing over them. God's given you that authority. 
Caroline, Amanda and Caroline aren't here today. She's got strep throat. But guess what? As soon as she didn't start feeling good a couple of days ago, guess what we did? We prayed over my child. Claimed healing over my child. Her fever broke just like that. Now, she's still got strep throat. And you say, well, Micah, she wasn't healed. Well, she doesn't feel that bad. She's up running around all over the house right now. Amen. There's a healing process sometimes. You know, and I think it was God telling her to chill out. And that's what I told her. I was like, you can calm down a little bit. Like, <laughs> might be what this is. Because y'all know Caroline, man. She's everywhere all the time. A warrior father always shows the family how much he loves them. He's never too big, never too bad to love on his children. And this one's real important. Show your children how much you love their mother. Now, I've got three daughters, and I think about this constantly. Every time they're watching me, I need to set the example of the man that I want them to marry one day. I don't want them to see me cussing at my wife, screaming at my wife, belittling my wife. Because if that's the case, they're going to go marry some sorry punk that's going to do the same thing. I see this a lot. That happens a lot. You are a reflection to your daughters. And let me tell you something. For y'all that don't have daughters and you've got young men, they're watching you. Well, my dad did it this way, so I can do it this way. Show your children how much you love your wife and love their mother. Love on them. My kids get sick of it. Me and Amanda over here kissing all over each other. They can't handle it. They don't like it at all. <laughs> but you know what? One day, they'll be glad. They'll think, you know what? My mom and dad, they used to, okay, that's the kind of man I need. I mean, man's going to love me. A warrior father takes the blame for all, and I mean all the defeats. 99% of the time, gentlemen, when something goes wrong in your home or something goes wrong with your family, you're not going to like what I'm fixing to say. Most of the time, it's because the father has slipped up and gotten out of line from God's order. Now, notice I said 99% of the time because there's still free will for our wives and our children to make really dumb decisions. But I promise you, one thing that I've learned in my life, we set the tone at the house. If we're on point, the family follows. If we're loving our wife the way we're supposed to love our wife, if we love our wife like Christ loves the church, amen, your wife ain't going to cheat on you. She ain't going to be looking for another man. If you love your children and you raise them in the ways of God, just like he tells us to, your children are probably not going to go down the wrong path as much. Now, children are stupid. They make dumb decisions sometimes. But what I'm saying is the majority of the time, they're not going to make that bad decision, right? Now, they got to learn. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to learn through that process. We allow one mistake every year in our household, one. <laughs> I didn't say I, I get more than one. It's just that's what we allow our children, one mistake. <laughs> Fathers, honestly, guys, y'all set the tone. You set the tone. The mistakes that come into your home is because you slipped up and you allowed it in the door. When you crack the door open to your home and you give Satan an inch, he's going to bust that door wide open and come in and attack. 
I need y'all to grasp that today. I know some of y'all looking at me like, that's spiritual warfare stuff. Micah, that don't make much sense to me. Trust me on it. I promise you, it's real stuff. I've lived it, I've breathed it, I've seen it, I've fought it, and I've watched many of y'all do the same thing. Don't give him an inch. A warrior father leads by example. He gets involved in a church, in his community, and he always sets the example of working hard at everything that he does. Now, I want to tell you a simple place that you can start leading in your home, and that's the dinner table. And this is biblical. I want to go to Psalms 128, verses 1 through 3. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing without, within your home. Your children will be like vigorous, young olive trees as they sit around your table. There's two things I need you to get from this verse. Number one is the, the table is not just for eating, guys. It's for leading. That's a spot that you can sit down with your kids every single day and figure out what's going on in their life. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I'm not very good at this. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I get home, I'm tired. I, I, my whole job is, is, is to love on people and please people and, and sell diamonds, right? Like, that's my whole dang job. And when I get home, I'm tired. So how many times do I go in, grab my supper, and go sit in front of the TV? That's something I struggle with. Men, we have to get past that. We have to be sitting down with our children. Sit with them. Love on them. Ask them, what's going on through your day? What's the bad things that happened today? What's the good things that happened today? You'd be surprised if you ask them, what's the worst thing that happened to you today? They'll give it to you, and you'll have an answer. That's called growing your children, teaching your children. And there's no better place than right there at that dang dinner table. And I don't care if you or your wife cook. I don't care. Get pizza and put it on the dang dinner table. Love on those kids. We don't have them but 18 years, by the way. We need to be molding them and teaching them as much as we can in that 18-year period. Because the real world sucks. And it's going to attack them in every single way. And if they're not prepared, I need you to grasp this, fathers. If they're not prepared, it's your fault. It's your fault. Olive plants. An olive tree takes 15 years to become a full-grown tree. But if you nurture it correctly, it can produce olives for 2,000 years. There are still olive trees that you can find in Jerusalem right now that are the age of Jesus Christ. You can still find those. That's because their roots are strong and they run deep. That's the problem with the children in our country today is a lot of bad roots. They can't last that long. Men, to God, there is not a more important job in your life than leading your family. All your awards, accolades, accomplishments outside of the home mean absolutely nothing if you're not a warrior father in the home. All those bucks on the wall, bowling trophies, golf trophies, business trophies, you know, bonus checks, all of those accomplishments, guys, 
They mean nothing. As a father, you have to put your family ahead of everything. It's your number one ministry, right? Amen, church? I want to show you this in Scripture. This verse, before I read it, I need you all to understand something. Um, this verse hurts. And it hits home. And I'll be honest with you, if you're a father in this room and this verse doesn't slap you in the face, we probably need to sit down and talk. This is 1 Timothy 5.8. If anyone does not provide for his own, that is his own household, he has denied the true faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Nowhere else in the Bible, nowhere, will you find it say that you are worse than an unbeliever. Nowhere. I challenge you to find it. If you do, you can prove me wrong, and I'll come up here next week and say I was wrong. But I can't find it. Worse than an unbeliever if you're not supporting your household. I want you to notice he's definitely talking to you fathers. His own. His own. He has denied the true faith. He's not talking to the moms. He's talking to the fathers. Y'all see this? Men, this verse is for us. This is not for the mother. This is for us men. And if we're not providing and if we're in denying the true faith, who's the truth? Jesus Christ. If you're not supplying for your household, you are denying Jesus Christ. And that's what makes you worse than an unbeliever. Are y'all getting this from this verse? Christian head nods. I need something back. The living translation actually says, instead of you have no right to call yourself, or, or you're worse than an unbeliever, it says that you have no right to call yourself a Christian if you're not taking care of your household. Now, there's three ways that you need to take care of your household. Financially, you put a roof over their head, right? Okay, give them a home. You know, vehicles, drive, whatever it is that you need to do. You give them those things financially. Food on the table, that's financially, right? We've got to support our family. We've got to go make money to take care of our family. That's just how it works. Or you go buy some land and plant a big, you know, farm. Whatever you want to do. I don't care what you do, but you've got to provide for the family financially, right? Number two is socially, Okay. Socially, teach them the ways of the world. Teach them what they're going to walk into in 18 years. Teach them that social media is evil. And that's not life. That's not real. Teach them how to apply for a job. That is my stickler, man. I get so upset when these young kids walk in the door with pajama pants on and no resume. Like, seriously? You know what I make them do? I make them sit down and fill out this really long application that I have at the store just to waste their time. Because I'm hoping that in that moment, they'll, it'll strike them at some point. They'll look around, they'll see everybody else, how they're dressed, be like, you know, I probably should have put something else besides, you know, my pajama pants. Men, teach your kids these things. Teach them how to play. Teach them how to look a man in the eye and shake their hands. Teach them how to respect women. Teach them how to open the door for a woman. 
These are simple things that people really take for granted nowadays. How many times do you walk up to a restaurant or go to the movies or wherever y'all may be going and these young punk kids walk up, ladies, and, and they walk up in front of you and they open the door and they don't open it for you? I mean, I see that all the time. I'm going to tell you right now, my mama would have slapped me for that. The most important thing you can do as a warrior father, guys, is just be present. Out of all this that we talked about today, if you're like, Mike, I suck in all these areas, this is, this is the one spot, your presence. But before I get to that, I want to touch on one last thing, and that's from this verse. you got to take care of them financially, socially, and spiritually. If you're not leading your family like a Christian father should, You're denying Jesus Christ, and you're worse than an unbeliever. <laughs> Again, that verse hurts, because I know a lot of men that are struggling, and they're trying to get this thing on the right path. And I just want to tell you guys, keep going. As long as you keep going, you're doing the right thing. You're going to struggle. We're going to mess up. Just pray that we don't mess our kids up so bad that God can't fix them. Be present. You cannot do any of these things, again, that we discussed today, if you're not there. You not only need to physically be present, but you need to mentally be present as well. Again, how many times do I go home and I'm tired and I go sit down and I've got my food sitting in front of me and my kids are walking up to me and they're trying to talk to me? And I mean, I'm there, but not really. I'm not mentally there. I'm tired. That's the one time of the day that you don't need to be tired. That's the one time of the day to suck it up and be a warrior father. Be present physically and emotionally. Time is precious, gentlemen. Time is so precious, and you'll never get the time back, ever. You need to make every second count when it comes to your children, your wife, your family, your household. When I was, um, when I was growing up, I knew this man, this is a pretty rough story, but he was a golfer, um, really good golfer. And uh, he, he got married kind of later in life, and him and his wife really struggled to have a child. And finally, after five years of marriage, they had a little girl. And this little girl, from the time that she was old enough to just walk, she would dance everywhere she went. So when the child turned six, the parents got her some ballet shoes, and they got her in ballet. One year later, at the age of seven, she had her first dance recital. The problem was this was on a Sunday, and this man had the biggest tournament of the year that he played in every single year on a Saturday and Sunday. This man's thought process was, you know what, this is her first recital. She's going to have 20 of these things. I don't have to be there. 
I'll go to next year's recital. While he was playing at the golf tournament, he received a phone call. It was the police. After the recital, this little girl and her mom were going home, and they got in a car wreck. Now, they both lived, but the little girl lost her legs. That father never got to see her dance. Men, take this home today. Don't miss the dance with your children. There's nothing more important. You know, I was telling y'all earlier, it's so much more important than the deer that are on the wall, all the trophies that you have, all the accolades, all the positions, all of those things, right? Nick, that picture I told you to say, pull that up for me, please. That's my trophy. That's my world. I don't care about anything else. I don't care how much money I make. I don't care the accolades that I may get, the golf tournaments that I might have won. I don't care. I'll throw it all in the trash and burn it for them. That's mine. Men, your family is yours. That is biblical. It is your responsibility to take care of that. That's mine. I'll fight for them and I'll die for them. But one thing I'll promise you as well is for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Men, if you ain't doing it right, start today. Pray with your kids. Love on your kids. Love on your wife. Set the example of Jesus Christ, which is love. When all else fails, just love on them. When you can't do anything else, just love on them. If your child comes to you and they've made this huge mistake, love on them. If your wife comes to you and she's spent all your money, <laughs> eventually love on them. <laughs> Gentlemen, that's the one thing that has always helped me in my life as a father and as a husband. When I can't think of any, when I'm just mad and all I want to do is rip somebody's head off, God puts love in my heart. Pray for that daily. God, put it in my heart. Don't let me lash out in anger. Let it be your love. You'll be surprised how your family will grow through that process. When all else fails, love. Always love. Gentlemen, I know I just preached a sermon and beat the mess out of you and beat me up too. I need y'all to understand that. I'm preaching to me as well. If y'all noticed, everything I said in there was we. I didn't say you. I said we. I need you to get this though. Some of you are like, you know what? Good gosh, I'm not doing any of this. What kind of father am I? I suck. Guys, number one, you did something right today because you're here. Understand? You're here. You're trying. And it's not too late. Even if your kids are grown, it's not too late to still be a warrior father. Men, I'm proud of the, you guys in this church. I need y'all to know that. I'm very proud of y'all. Um, we don't have a lot of major issues in this church. I'll just be honest with you, we don't. 
from the men that are here? I can say that. I stand bold in that, by the way. You men have done a phenomenal job. Just keep setting that example for the next generation. Especially for me. I got three daughters. I need y'all to raise some fine young men so I don't kill them. <laughs> Grab a pen and paper. Get y'all to write this down. That's a great way to end the sermon. The pastor says he's going to kill somebody. Like, really? <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. This is said by Billy Graham. A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. Love Billy Graham. <laughs>